Hello and welcome to another episode of Backroom Football Talk Show. I'm here with Gio and Oscar. We're going to go over the transfer window, which just closed today, um, September 1st. It was it was nice. It was hectic till the end. Obviously, everybody following Fabrizio Romano and David Ornstein and all these guys. Di Marzio for Gio because he hates everybody else. Only EDM, Di Marzio. baby. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody checking their Twitter feeds and refreshing and what's going on with my team or that team, right? Um, and then just some of the biggest names in the transfer market that moved this um, this summer. Raheem Sterling from City to Chelsea. Obviously, Erling Haaland, Paulo Dybala, Chouameni, Sadio Mane, Darwin Nunez, Lewandowski, Di Maria, um, Cavani. That's an interesting one. Gabriel Jesus, Richarlison, Lukaku, Jules Koundé, um, Rafinha. The Pi decided to stay at the last minute. Gio's boy, Matthias Delict, who he talked about very, very well. Bremer to Juventus to, to replace him. Uh, Paul Pogba, you know, big profile signings. And up until the last day of the transfer window, Aubameyang finally making it into Chelsea's roster. I love that one. We're going to talk about all of them, okay? But let's start talking about United, and I'm going to pick on you, Gio. Um, United's transfer window, how would you rate it? They got Anthony for 100 mil, uh, Casemiro for close to that, about 80, Lisandro Martinez, Tyrell Malasia, Christian Eriksen, and Martin Dubravka as a backup goalkeeper to David De Gea to replace, yeah, the void that Dean Henderson left in the team. How would you rate that transfer market and um, how do you see them affecting the situation right now? Well, first off, welcome back to me. Uh, I took yes, a bit welcome of a back. Time. I'm sorry, Gio. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> I was waiting for that, but I thought I'd give you the benefit. Of well, now you're making me feel like, it. okay, all right. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, it's for me, United's overall transfer window, um, you know, not, not great, not, not bad either, but I mean, look, like they're the the most high profile ones by far are Casemiro and and Anthony, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, look, it's whenever you get a player that has you know prior experience with uh, with a manager and you bring him in, um, you know, usually it's a good sign. I mean, we've seen it in the past. It's you know, like Mourinho with Matic and certain players just mesh really well with uh, with former managers, and that's clearly the case with Anthony. Um, with uh, with Ten Hag as uh, as well as Alessandro Martinez. Um, so, I mean, in that sense, I think they did a pretty good job. Um, I don't know if I really love the how much they spent on Anthony. I mean, I think he's a a, a pretty electrifying talent, um, but I think that was a a little bit of an excessive fee on their on their part there. Um, but I, at the same time, though, he's going to fit in well on the on the right side. There allows Jaden Sancho to go back to the left. Um, and then, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they rotate up top. And obviously Casamiro, um, is a huge upgrade over anybody they've had in the defensive midfield position. I mean, McTominay and Fred, um, not even in the same class as Casamiro. So, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot of moves, um, we're kind of plugging some holes here and there. I think it's just going to be. I think this is going to be determined to how they mesh with uh, with Ten Hag and if they can kind of reclaim that um, sort of, I guess, player-coach chemistry they once had at Ajax for a couple of these guys. But nothing crazy popping off the charts, but if I had to give it a rating out of 10, I'd say a 7.5. Um, you know, nothing nothing crazy, but nothing, you know, it's not like they were awful and, and weren't active. They were, They spent a lot of money. 
Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. gonna ask, how does this, how does this affect um, United? But you can't just talk about what they signed. You also got to talk about the decisions that Ten Hag has been implementing, which one of them is benching their captain in Maguire, benching Cristiano Ronaldo. Legend, right? and he's, legend, and yes, honestly, he's the first coach that has have has had the bravery. Let's say bravery. If I don't want to use another word, um, to to. Courage. Bench Ronaldo, number one. Courage, yes. To bench Ronaldo and to bench Maguire, right? Because Maguire was an expensive center back. Yeah, and well, I think that's what the price tag was the reason why he was playing. And none of them really had the courage to do it. And he's put Baran with, with uh, Lisandro Martinez and he's gotten them three wins in a row. Oscar, what do you think of the transfer market when um, Gio was saying that he maybe didn't, it wasn't great? You, I saw you kind of shaking your your uh, your head maybe frowning a little uh, maybe you think uh, it was pretty good for united no number nine what do you think about that yeah no number nine but you're getting players that suit the position that the club is at in the moment because i mean you cannot expect to get uh karim benzema a uh, kylian mbappe if you're not competing for champions league spots and if you're gonna be if you're gonna probably finish as a sixth or fifth place so if we look at the signings they made, I think Lisandro Martinez suits the position that my United is at the moment. Uh, the same as Anthony, the same as Malasia. Probably the bomb there is Casemiro, which nobody would have expected that at the start of the transfer market. But, yeah, I mean, you got to evaluate all those situations that the club is at right now. Probably now they're getting those types of players that are not world-class. But once United is back at the top in a couple of years, which I believe they can do it if Ten Hag keeps uh, the squad disciplined and they respect his process, they're going to start signing those top-class uh, players again. I think they overdid themselves um, in the transfer market, just like Oscar says. I think I agree. Getting Casemiro, you didn't think any world-class player was going to sign for Manchester United in this transfer window. And obviously, when they asked him oh, why... why well, yeah. But when also, you got to think about the sporting aspect of it. And Oscar mentioned it. He, they're going to finish fifth or sixth with a lot of luck and hard work, maybe fourth. But And then, obviously, they asked Casemiro, how come you came here and we're not playing Champions League? And he said, bruh, I got five of those sitting at home. I don't need... A Champions League title, yeah, right? So that's obviously that was an exception. Yeah, but he's thirty, he's still young, right? Um, and then I mean, in terms of world class, from a new, a new signing, I've already won that. I so know, screw it. I know, I know, I know. It's not great, but anyways, it is what it is. Um, and I, I just, I just, I still have this doubt about Anthony being not the right fit. I think he'll fit in and he'll play great. But what does that do for Jaden Sancho? Because I think he performs best on the right side and. It has been proven in Bor at Borussia Dortmund. And Oscar, I already see you shaking it. Every time I say something about someone playing on the right side, he says, no, they play on the left. No, <laughs> this time I'm right. I think that he performs best on the right side. You also saw it in preseason. That's where he feels more comfortable. And Anthony is not going to play on the left. He's going to play on the right side probably, right? So unless they can find a way to kind of interchange because Anthony Martial is going to be the starting number nine and Rashford could be his backup. And... The, both those two players can play in every position in, uh, up front, right? So maybe they're going to be a more of an interchangeable front three, and that, that way I could see it working out. You know, a good thing now, about Man United signings this season, uh, this season is that now you can finally say Manchester United has a squad depth because you have Anthony on the right, you have Rashford that can play on the right as well. 
you have Martial that can play in any of the front three positions. And don't forget Ronaldo. Ronaldo as well. And pretty much the same in the midfield. I think the do you think Ronaldo is do you think Ronaldo is gonna be a bit more of a um active active role? Or do you think he's gonna keep be being the sub? You know, he he cannot he will not stand being a sub at least for six months, which is when the transfer market will open again. So I, I think he'll leave. I think I mean, he'll leave by the by the winter next summer. I mean, it's just kind of you can see it's like a one club's going one direction and what they're trying to do, and he's going in another direction. It just doesn't seem like yeah. a fit anymore, really. I yeah. think if he doesn't, oh, fix, if he doesn't fix his situation with Ten Hag, because if he's being benched, it's because Ten Hag is demanding stuff and he's not following the stuff that Ten Hag is demanding. So if he doesn't fit his situation with Ten Hag, I think he'll be gone by January. All right, let's go to the other side of Manchester. Uh, we're going to talk about, and again, we mentioned this in our group chat. We have a group chat for the for the podcast, and it ruffled some feathers. Nobody could agree on anything, mostly. So, um, Akanji, Manuel Akanji to Manchester City was confirmed today uh, for 17.5 million euros, which is another, I think, another fantastic signing for Borussia Dortmund, for, uh, Manchester City from Borussia Dortmund, sorry. Let's go with Oscar. You were one of the ones in the chat that, and I think Gio was the other one, so I might be outnumbered here, um, that didn't think this was a good idea, didn't think it fit, especially if no one left. Guardiola later confirmed nobody was going to leave, and we, we saw it towards the end of the transfer window. Why, why don't you like it? I mean, it's a fantastic deal, don't get me wrong. For 17.5 million, you're getting a 27-year-old who can still play uh, five more years at an elite level. But at what cost? You already have Ruben Diaz, John Stones, Emery Laporte, and Nathan Ake. And those four, anybody of those four could actually start for a club like Manchester City. Now you bring a guy who's going to be your fifth choice center back. I mean, it's 70.5 million. It's almost nothing. It's nothing for Manchester City. But at the end of the day, the wages that you're going to be paying for him, it's money that you can save. You know? So. Fabrizio Romano confirmed, another journalist confirmed that nobody, any, no other central defender is going to leave the club, no other central defender left the club. But, I mean, I, I really, it's one of those businesses that you don't seem to understand at all, you know? Okay, so I'm thinking if he is, and you were talking about the wage, right? Let's say that those reports are right and he's making, what, 11 million a season? That's for four years, right? So that means... 44 million euros. 17.5 you paid. Plus the 17. So it puts you at 70, 65, 62, something like that. Around there. 62 million euros. 62 million euros for four years for Manuel Kanji, who I think you guys are forgetting the version and how good he was towards the beginning of his Borussia Dortmund career. I think you're forgetting that how, how good and how high his potential was. And he's still young. You, but you're forgetting the most important uh, fact, which is what, you, what I just said. I mean, you can say that, yeah, 62 million euros for four or five years, but is he going to stay four or five years? Because I'm pretty sure that if he doesn't find game time this season, he's going to be gone by next summer. And I, I really yeah, I find it, I don't think I really, so. I, I find it really hard. And I hope he shuts my mouth, but I find it really hard that he can take Ruben Diaz, John Stones, or Emery Laporte's spot. Probably Ake, he can compete with Ake, but those three, it's going to be very difficult. 
And I mean, Gio, this surely gives you a bit more options, though, because you say he's going to compete with them. But Manchester City plays a back, back three, and normally Kyle Walker is on that right side at the moment, most of the time, am I right? Of the back three. So um, maybe this gives you the option of playing Walker as a more of a wing back option. And you play with, you know, those three out of those, well, now five good center backs that you have. And there's going to be injuries. The port is injury prone, right? But Stones is injury prone. Ake's, I think none, none of them are not injury prone. Maybe Ruben Diaz is the only one, right? So I think Akanji is a smart choice. Gio, um, what do you think about this one? The way I look at it, and, and I, I don't blame you guys for not looking at it through the same lens. because He's going to say, this big teams <laughs> are just, it's just so unfair. Roma can't no, no, make no. this signing. It's like, um, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm like the dad who is sitting down with his sons trying to talk about like the the importance of financial stability and, and <laughs> smart investments enlighten us you enlighten us yeah and you guys and then and then these teams like city like 11 million euros a year for a kanji's criminal it's absolutely criminal it is uh, first off i don't really understand it like i mean it's not like he's coming in to really fulfill any important role he's literally there as a fifth center back and you're paying this guy 11 like that to me that's where I place the emphasis on of it being ridiculous in terms of the player. I think he's a solid center back. Like you said, he, he showed that at uh, Dortmund. Um, and, you know, honestly, I think having Holland there too, you know, probably um, I'm sure Holland spoke up for him as well. I think I actually did a bit of report that Holland had a, a little bit to do with it and, and convincing the board to get him. But I, I don't he know. He gave like, him a hard time in training. That means he must be quality. He must love him. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's like, in terms of the player, I think he'll find some playing time because I think this does indicate two things. Like you said, Ricky, like if they go to a back three, I think that there's going to be a good opportunity for rotation. I mean, all these teams like this always play in different competitions, whether it's Champions League and um, Domestic Cup and whatever. So he's going to find some minutes, but it's that yearly salary to me that's just silly. But, you know, that's what happens. The rich get richer. And then, okay, Austria, I'm going to hit you back with this one. What did you think? What was your reaction when Manchester City signed Nathan Ake from Bournemouth, a team that had just been relegated, for more than they're signing uh, Akanji? They paid almost 22 million euros for Nathan Ake from a relegate, relegation team, relegated team actually already. What did you think? Probably what you're telling me now. Yeah, well, I was probably fuming at that moment, but I knew we needed a center back, so I wasn't that mad. I mean, it's not that I'm mad right now, but I wasn't so concerned with Manchester City's decision at that time than what I am right now. Because I'm going to tell you another thing. I'm going to tell you another thing you guys are forgetting. You signed Calvin Phillips, and Calvin Phillips played as a central defender in preseason. Uh, yeah, but he's not there to play there. I know, but where is he going to play? Because at the moment, he hasn't played anything He's not. Yet. I mean, <laughs> I, know not going to, I know he's injured, but... This is why I hate these teams. I mean, this is why I hate them. You guys just go buy guys for $60 million, and then you flush him down the toilet. You know what, Gio? I think that this could also be one of those cases where, like, Manchester City knows that this guy is finishing his contract next year. You just buy him because you have $17 million in the bank. Easy. You buy him and you sell him for twenty next year if 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 it doesn't work out, you know it could be. I mean, I guess low risk investment, but whatever. exactly. Anyways, we're gonna move on. Still Manchester City though, um, and Gio, this one's for you. So 
Julian Alvarez uh, scored a couple goals, first two Premier League goals with Manchester City this year. Erling Haaland obviously scored three, again, back-to-back hat-tricks, but we're not here to talk about Haaland. We know he's fantastic. We've done that episode. Julian Alvarez, it seems that he's a bit of a supporting act to Erling Haaland, especially when they play together. Oscar, relax, please. Sit down, listen, breathe. No, (laughs) I'm just saying, it seems like it. It seems like it because obviously he's not going to be the guy backing in, in the goals. Okay, uh, and he well, he got his second goal when Haaland was not on the field. By the way, um, obviously they can play well together, but again, he's never going to be the guy, the man up top for Manchester City, right? So, Gio, do you think that this is something that suits him? Because I think personally that Julian Alvarez could start at four of the big six clubs, not um, counting Aubameyang who signed today. He could start for Chelsea. He could start for United. He could start for Tottenham. No, not really Tottenham. I'm sorry, he couldn't. Yeah, he could start for Chelsea, Arsenal, and United, at least. That's three of the Arsenal. big six clubs. No, no, no. Sorry. Uh, Chelsea, United, and um, Liverpool. So he's going to displace Darwin Nunez, who they just paid. Yes, 100%. He's a better talent than Darwin Nunez. Uh, okay, well, I mean... No, no question that's, about that's, that one. That's whatever you want to say. They paid an arm and a leg for Nunez. So, okay. Oh, what, they pay, um, what they pay for Maguire, how much is he worth? You can't, well, you can't go stupid, off what people pay. That was a stupid sign to begin with. Well, well Darwin could be a stupid sign, signing. I don't know. We I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, if he keep, if he doesn't keep his temper under control, then he will be a stupid signing. But um, anyways, <laughs> what the hell was the question? Question <laughs> sign for Roma. <laughs> He'll sign for Roma in a year. Um, no, the question was, the question was, does he deserve a bit more than being the, you know, playing second fiddle to Erling Haaland? Okay. For, I'm going to answer this question with uh, one more question first. How Nine. old is he? How old is he? 20, what? 22. Okay. Now, I think same as Holland. Same as Holland. Okay. You know, I think it's really easy um, to look at players of high talent um, when they're young guys and, and always try to look like, especially if they're playing on a star studded team, to be like, where can they go? Like, where can they start? You know, like, where can they get the most maximized playing time? I know we did it with Ake. Um, when we were talking about where he could play more and, um, you know, there's, there's a number of guys that, you know, are are sometimes buried on the bench that you're like, why are you there? Like go play, you know, but a 22 year guy like Alvarez playing on the biggest team in the world. I think this is actually a pretty good spot for him right now for development. I mean, look, Holland is obviously the ace there. Um, and Holland is, is world-class, one of the best strikers in the world, but being, being a secondary option or a, a supplementary option to a guy like Holland at 22 can help your development. And working with a guy, like, working like a coach like with Pe- like Pep Guardiola can also be strong for your development as well. I mean, we see these young players who've played under great coaches where maybe they haven't had the biggest um, position in the team when they played, but they always say, I will never forget what I learned from guys like Jose Mourinho, guys like Pep Guardiola, guys like Sir Alex Ferguson, like there are benefits for his development. Now we can sit here and say, can he play at those other clubs that you mentioned? Yeah, he can. But at this point in time, his big move doesn't have to come yet. He's in a good spot. He's on a good team. He's on a winning team and he's contributing. Should he make his move maybe by 23, 24 to one of those teams where they're still a good team, but he can be the main man? Yeah, probably. I think... I think two years down the line, he probably should be starting somewhere on, on, on a strikerless team like Chelsea or a strikerless team like Man United. Um, 
It'll be great for him. That's why right we, now he's that, developing. That's why we brought Aubameyang in. That, that's, that's why we brought Aubameyang in. A couple of years, then that. Julian Alvarez. There you go. Yeah, honestly, there's, that's, a Oscar. Huge, that's kind of the situation he should be in. I think the best comparison you can make to what Gio just said is Gabriel Jesus. Yes. Yeah. But now, speaking with the case of Julian Alvarez, who is way much older. But I think Julian Alvarez came to Manchester City knowing that he was going to be in the shade of Erling Haaland. And it's not that I want to take prestige off the guy because the guy is fantastic. And I seriously think he's going to play a huge part in Manchester City this season. But it's not the same coming from Argentina, scoring hat-tricks against a Paraguayan team than scoring than coming from Borussia Dortmund and scoring hat-tricks against the top sides in Europe. So he knew, he knew what he was coming from. But regardless of that, I think he's going to get his place in Man City's starting eleven because... It's not just me, but I think everyone that has seen City in the last two, two, two and three games, which Alvarez has played, the team just looks way better when he's on the left, way better. Foden on the right, and Erling Haaland up top. Or even, or even when he's on the right, like he, the guy plays yeah. everywhere. The, his high press is unbelievable. Good comparison with Gabriel Jesus because he's got that same kind of persistence in the high press, and the guy works. He works. He's obviously smart. He's got that um, Latin American, you know, something, um, which is a thing, by the way. Um, and and I think it's, it, I, I, I have it. I have it. We all have it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, and so I do think that he's great. And that's why I bring up the question. Um, but yeah, okay. Thanks for that. Anyways, Gio, again, got to take it back to you. Roma is first top of the Serie A. Dybala already scored. He already assisted. Tammy Abraham already got on the score sheet yeah, this year. Um, one goal conceded, and this is the only reason why I'm going to even bring this up, because it reminds me a little bit of when Tottenham was in um, the top of the table in the Premier League under Mourinho for like 15 minutes. But um, Roma, can they actually get a shot at the title this year? Well, um, I'm going to tune that out. Uh, <laughs> um, there is a shred in me that thinks yes, deep, deep down, but... I think if I'm a betting man, it's a bet that I'm staying away from yeah. because I just haven't seen quite enough from Roma consistency wise to really make them a contender. Like, look, Roma was ever since Monchi came in and dropped an atomic bomb and then left back <laughs> to Sevilla, there's been a lot of reclamation work done. So Roma has been in a transitionary period with ownership and squad overturning or, um, yeah, overturning their squad and things. So the expectations are not for them to be Scudetto contenders for probably one or two more years. And by contenders, so, I mean battling for the Scudetto, not yeah, like... Yeah, like actually putting up a fight. Well, yeah. I'm just asking because also this year, to be honest, AC Milan doesn't seem like the AC Milan that won the title, not the same one. Um, Coming back had, to earth a little bit. They, yeah, they had a, they struggled against Sassuolo. Obviously, Sassuolo is one of the best lower level teams that say in the in the city yeah, they always put up a fight but fight they try to play good football but they struggled more than they should have against Asuolo. Inter lost not too long ago against Lazio best team in Rome um wow. so I'm just <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. no, then I'm went and tied Sampdoria the next week go ahead <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just saying they also struggled so the yeah. the, the league seems a bit more um Unpredictable, level, right? Uh, and yeah, and Napoli with that great start, but they also tied not not too long ago. Um, I want to say they, yeah, exactly. So and Juventus again 
couple draws in a row. So like, it's not, it's not looking great, right? For I everyone think, else. Yeah. And this is why maybe I'm saying Roma could be in there. Roma Napoli could have a better chance. When, and if you look at it too, yes, Roma's had a great start to the year conceding one Dusan Vlahovic free kick, free which kick. is by the way, yeah. like completely world class. Like no one in the 100%. world is stopping that. Um, so, I mean, when you, when you concede to a free kick like that or a penalty, it's kind of cut from the same cloth. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, I think where Roma's going to, I think what's going to have to happen is Roma, I think Mourinho has really implemented a good defensive ideology in the squad. Um, and they do have the quality on the counterattack to finish games off. But at this time, all we've seen Roma do is play Cremonese, um, Salernitana, Juve, and yeah. Monza. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Roma's got three <laughs> wins against basically Serie B teams. So. Exactly. Not, it's way too soon. If if we were holding this record right now, Chico, and we were we had beat guys like um at least, like Inter or even like yeah. uh, Fiorentina or Napoli or something, I would be a lot more like, wow, this might be the real deal. Too early to say, but I love the parody in Sadia. Uh, I think it's going to be a battle to, to the end, not only for yeah. the Scudetto but the top four. I think it's been interesting already the last couple of seasons, and now it's going to be a bit even more, if if possible. It's a, um, it's a great year, yeah, it will. Yeah, exactly. So okay, I like that. Uh, Oscar, let's talk about Chelsea. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about Chelsea. Uh, couple of days ago, Wesley Fofana was closed. Um, Eighty, well, seventy million pounds actually, which was less than I expected. Uh, for for him to go to leave Leicester, transfer deadline day, Aubameyang. Leaves Barcelona for 14 million apparently in exchange for Marcus Alonso to be included in the deal. Um, and Sakaria leaves Juventus on loan with a 30 million pound option to, to, um, to Chelsea, right? What do we think? Cause now this completes a very, I would, I, I'm, I'm giving it an eight out of 10, the transfer market straight away. You got Sakaria, you got Albania, you got Fofana, you got Koulibaly, Sterling, and then you got a lot of youngsters that are, are very interesting and, and will be even more so in the future. How would you rate this transfer market? Can Chelsea now, do they have the tools to compete to get into that top four? Um, I, w- I don't want to say easily, but with but struggling a lot less than they have been. If I had to give it a number, I'd give it a, an eight probably as well because they address the positions that they needed to address. It's not like Liverpool. Liverpool yeah, we're going to talk about Liverpool later, but Chelsea needed to rebuild and fix all their defense. They did. I think the only two guys that were uh, starters there were Reese James and Thiago Silva. And then you brought uh, Cucurella and Cucurella, uh, Fofana. Cucurella, yeah. And Fofana. But they rebuild their defense. And they have a defense not just for this season, but for, for probably five more years. So that's covered. Now, the only position that they should have at least covered a bit more was the midfielder position. And there were talks about signing Edson Alvarez, which, honestly, if you ask yep. me, I think it would have been a great signing. Frankie because De Jong. Because he got, yeah, Frankie, Frankie as well. But I think Edson would have been great for that number five role because the guy's hard work. I've seen pretty much a lot of him. And in the number nine position, you covered it as well with Aubameyang. You're not covered for five years, of course. You're covered for two years max. But you brought goals. And I really yeah. hope Thomas Tuchel has the guts to bench Kai Havertz. Well, I'm not worried about Kai Havertz. I'm worried about him having the guts to bench Mason Mount. 
Okay, between those two, seven hundred and seven and seventy-seven minutes in the Premier League this year, zero goals, zero assists. Unbelievable. And like Havertz, I understand why he's playing him. You've got nobody else. Mount, you have options. Like even playing Havertz in that position is an option. You know, so I, I honestly, I, I, he's being protected a little too much. Um, Oscar has known my opinion on Mount for years now, and I always said he can't play everything. He can't play just because you want to play him. Um, sure, he's a creative player, but he's got to play in his position and where it's favorable for the team. And that's not been the case this year. And he's he's gonna be dropped. I mean, the guy's good. He's fantastic, but he's dropped massively in the last couple of months. And with Kante being out as well, that doesn't it's that's not in favor of Chelsea right now. So I think when Kante is back and Kovacic is fully fit, if Mount is performing like this, if he keeps performing like this, like this, he's gonna be dropped definitely. No, 100%. And the best thing you can do for him right now, for him in a World Cup year, is to drop him right. He's, he's going he's gonna to react and he's going to immediately become better. Um, okay. So, Gio, anything you want to say on Chelsea? Are we winning the league? Uh, no, you're not. You are not. Um, <laughs> I, uh, it's too early to say. I do like, I do like you guys actually making a last-minute swoop, though. I wanted to mention about Zakaria. Um, yeah. I think he got kind of an unfair shake at Juve. Didn't really fit in there, but yeah, really, he's a physical specimen. He's a strong, he's a hardworking, strong guy. I think he'll help your midfield out. But um, yeah, it just I think they've dug themselves a little bit of a hole here. So it'll be interesting to see how they get out of it. I, I like Obama Yang, but you know who I really want? I think I would have been good for Chelsea in that role. Was um, he actually went to uh, Wolves? Uh, Sasa Kalasdic, I think would have oh, been. Oh yeah, I've really been mentioning him a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean a six foot seven guy with feet and speed like that, pretty pretty damn good. He's like Peter we'll Crouch. Kamaka in a couple of years, you know. We we'll get Kamaka in a couple of years. That's why go. I'm wrapping this look. Yeah, sick. Get Michael Antonio to sit on the bench and have my boy Kamaka play. Let's go. <laughs> Oscar, you want to add something? Yeah, you know. Final thoughts before we uh, move on from Chelsea. I think with the signings that they've made they have whatever it takes to compete for the title because they have a better squad depth than many other teams in the top six. But here's the but. They got to get their problems together because the last few games that I've seen from Chelsea, they've lacked a lot of character when they're playing the games. And that's not up to the players. That's up to the manager. So we'll have to exactly. see how keeps performing under pressure. Yeah, and Tuchel, like, he hasn't been, he hasn't been great. He's been calling players out you know, um, to the media, you know, I, I would like, you know what, you know, for example, I'm going to give this example. Oscar's going to love it. Guardiola will always defend his players to the media. And then whatever happens inside, sure. You know, he can be as straightforward as you like, but he is never going to be, yeah, my guys didn't give me enough today. You know, even if they didn't, he's going to be like, yeah, we fought, we didn't have whatever. Yeah. It's just a lie. And then you go and then you, give that person stick for whatever they didn't do right and i don't like when managers really go and like do this where they say yeah they didn't give me enough sure sometimes it's good right but you don't want to do it too much and tuko has been doing it every single game where we've lost points um and that's it's not healthy in the end and i'm sure that i can tell that like hakim siek for example is someone that's mentally checked out um that uh pulisic mentally checked out who knows maybe even Havertz mentally checked out but try doesn't even exist Broja doesn't probably doesn't even want to play for Chelsea right now because he's been overlooked to start 
uh, Kai Havertz with zero goals and zero assists, you know? So I think it's going to depend a lot on Tuchel, heavily on Tuchel, like, like uh, you said, Oscar. But moving on, um, Liverpool, Oscar said we're going to talk about them. We are going to talk about them. Gio, Liverpool um, closed Arthur Mello from Juventus on a loan for one season. It has a buy option clause, apparently, for $37.5 million. I thought it was a bit high. Um, is it good enough? For what they need right now, that little gap or that little hole in the midfield, can he provide something that they don't have or that they need? Yes, I think they. I think he can. I think I'm surprised. I'm surprised by this. Yeah, no, I, I think um, Arthur Mello has really gotten a a tough go here at Juve. Um, again, similar to Zaccardi in the sense that I think a lot of it came down to misusage. Um, because I think I think he's the type of player. Um, Artur, who can re- he's a really creative midfielder. I mean, I think he's got a lot of good intangible qualities. He's a good passer. He's got really good footballing IQ. I think he can really, I think he's the kind of guy that you put him in an environment like that um, with players with elite attacking IQ, like Salah, um, even playing against or um, with, yes. uh, with guys like Thiago. Um, yeah. I, th- I really think that he can shine there. Now, you're right, though, about the buy option. I think that's a bit steep unless he really impresses. I think he will impress, but I don't know if he'll impress to the point where, the, where they will want to trigger that option. But I do think that he is definitely It's going to be a good reclamation project. I think he's going to work out there, and I think he's just going to end up going somewhere else um, after the year is up um, yeah. and, and, and basically rekindling his career. Because remember, this guy... When when Juve swapped Pjanic for Melo, people were all over it. People were yeah. were loving Melo to Juve, but Allegri knows how to kill careers. So it is yeah, and not just that. I mean, obviously, then Juve went on to sign a lot more midfielders, and he kind of lost his way there. But I think I'm not so. I think he's a similar profile to Thiago. He is. So yeah. so that means that maybe you don't want to play them together. Um, I think you could if you have a very defensive guy behind him, like Fabinho, for example. If you have Henderson, you don't want to, right? But I think he could stay at Liverpool because, yeah, it's a hefty, it's a hefty sum, like thirty-seven I million. You, I it's, forgot EPL teams don't care about the price tag. You're right. So exactly. So yeah, <laughs> uh, to be honest, yes, it is high in my opinion for what he's worth. But they Liverpool could easily pay it, especially if you get Milner out of it out of there if you get Keita out of there so I do think so but Oscar Gio said that technically he's got nothing to prove obviously he's got the goods to perform in the Premier League uh, especially when you want to keep possession he's the guy you, you want in your team uh, intensity is the biggest issue or the, the thing that makes people hesitant about his signing what do you think about that uh, that aspect See, I mean, I think it's a panic move from Liverpool, if I'm being honest. I think Jurgen Klopp was just flipping coins there in that decision. <laughs> but obviously the guy is super talented with the ball. He's fantastic. We saw that during his time at Barcelona. But I don't know if he's going to compete with the physicality of other midfielders in the Premier League. And let's remember that this guy is not a guy that is going to play you 66 games a year like Liverpool played last season he's probably gonna play you half because it's a guy that gets injured pretty quickly so you brought him to Liverpool but at what cost I mean you already have Thiago in that position so if you bring Arthur uh, I mean either he's gonna spend a lot of time with Thiago at the physios or he's gonna be run over by other tougher tougher 
and more physical Premier League midfielders. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, the thing that makes me kind of doubt that it's going to be a fantastic move is just the, the intensity of it, the physical aspect of the Premier League. But then again, I kind of thought the same about Thiago because the Premier League is not the Bundesliga. And I kind of thought the same about Thiago. And I said, yeah, maybe the game's going to be... Also, he was almost 30 but, when he signed. But you guys were comparing Arthur to Thiago. We already knew Thiago could play as a number five. But Arthur, on the other hand, when we saw his best moments at a Barcelona shirt, he wasn't playing in the number five position. Yeah, but is he here to play in that role? Because I think Liverpool, what they needed is more of an attacking midfielder, somebody they can link link up with the front three, right? So maybe if he plays in that position, or maybe he plays that number five role and Thiago gets pushed up a little bit, which he can also do, right? But as more of an eight. So I think it gives it gives Klopp options. And overall, I think it's it's more of a positive uh, addition, I think. Yeah, I think if you play him as a number five, he's not going to lead to the expectation because you need no. physicality in the Premier League to play as a number five. But if you play him as a number eight, I think he might have a chance. Yeah, so the opposite. Okay. Um, all right. I, I mean, let's, let's move on. Move on. Another, well, very much midfield-oriented transfer market this one uh psg obviously they didn't need anyone up top they didn't need much in the, at the back so they went for they went big in the midfield um and i'll just read up the the signings that psg closed in this transfer window vitinha fabian ruiz carlos soler who was deadline day transfer renato sanchez nori mukiele and ugo equitique who is the 20-year-old striker, obviously one for the future at PSG, and just as a backup to any of those front three players. Um, Mukiele, again, one on the back line. But Gio, looking at the signings in the midfield, in the middle of the park, Renato Sanchez was the first one. Then you got Fabian Ruiz, Vitinha, who's been fantastic, and Carlos Soler. So all of a sudden, you're thinking, Renato Sanchez. Was it a good decision to go to PSG? Because Fabian Ruiz is a high-profile player. Vitinha has been fantastic next to Verratti. And then Carlos Soler, obviously a good addition, quality addition. He's a promising player. Maybe not as good as, as Renato, in my opinion. But even then, you're talking about Fabian ahead of you. You're talking about um, Vitinha ahead of you and Verratti ahead of you, right? And that's only for two positions. So you're the fourth, maybe fifth option in that midfield. Is it a good decision? Is he going to regret it? Is he going to lose his place? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't love that one, to be honest. And I know we were flip-flopping um you know between milan and 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 psg um you know i think i think now that time has been able to to kind of settle in i think for him it's almost like he saw an opportunity to make that big move to like you know get another shot after kind of a, a bit of a, a bad spell at Bayern, um and it looks like he jumped at it um after you know you know in fairness to him having um you know a good good run at Lil, but um yeah I, I don't know i think it's it's really tough to justify for him now with the the amount of quality that they've added to that midfield um perhaps he wanted to stay in france because he maybe he's found a bit of a niche there where he he struggled in other areas abroad but um i think he you know i think he might look back at this and think maybe i should have gone to milan um you know continue to put on my reclamation path and then maybe make it make a big move where I'm actually going to be a big part. Um, I think 
Yeah, I think it might be a bit one that he might he might look back at and say, I made that move a little too early. And one thing you can't forget, too, is like agents can also have pressure in those situations as well. I mean, agents make very big commissions on deals like this, especially with big yeah. clubs. Um, so perhaps he didn't have the best guidance either. He's still a young guy. But um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think it won't be a disaster for him. But certainly, I think there was better options for him and, and might be a bit of a swing in the mess in the long run. I think he made he the is, right move. Yes. I think he made the right move. I was about to agree with Gio. And I'm going to say, like, he is 24. He's still young, right? But, but I mean, we've been listening. We've been hearing about this guy for the past, what, five, six years? He played at yes. Bayern Munich, which is an elite club. It, it didn't go well. He went to, to Lille. Then he kind of disappeared from the face of the earth. He played for Swansea, you know, it didn't work. Yeah. Um, and then Lille gave him a chance, yes. But it's all about stepping up for, for him. It's all or nothing. You're at the prime of your career, 24, 25, 26 years. If you want to play for an elite club, you got to step up in those years. But isn't AC Milan an elite club? Champions of Italy. And you are going to get the spotlight because, again, like we just talked about, the Serie A is even, very even this year. And everybody has a chance. You are going to play Champions League, so there's another chance. You know, I feel I feel like it was a good stepping stone to go to a uh, elite club still, yes, but not at the level of a PSG, especially. And I mean, he couldn't have known they've signed three more midfielders that have come I mean, ahead of him. I mean, I, I know your point. I get your point. But where are you going to get more headlines? Feeding Rafael Leao or feeding Lionel Messi, Mbappe, Kylian uh, Neymar? Well, the yeah, but once you're playing. What are you feeding him? Are you feeding him his Gatorade because you're on the bench? What are you? Do? What are you? Oh, I mean, who, who's saying he's gonna be on the bench? I mean, the well, guy he's been to, on the he's been on the bench, and it doesn't look like Verratti or Vitinha are gonna be moved from that guy, position. The guy he's basically, he's the basically guy hoping for an injury. Yeah, he's hoping for an injury. He's hoping for, I mean, a cup game, maybe a you know, Champions League last twenty minutes. Like I think that at Milan. It, it just seemed perfect, right? It seemed that he would be the perfect fit because Kessier left to Barcelona, right? He left that hole in that midfield where like this guy is, is, is a similar fit. And I just thought, just jump in there. Take that chance. Play for AC Milan. You do well one year, you'll be at a big club, bigger than PSG within a couple seasons. If he seasons. wanted to make that big move too, I think he would have even been better off going to Chelsea or Liverpool than PSG. Yeah. Like, I think there's, that's the thing. It's not about making that big move, Oscar. I think I agree with you. I think, you know, when you get to this point in your career, 24, 25, you want to be that headline guy and you want to be one of the best players. You do have to basically pull, the, not pull that bandaid off, but like you got to kind of jump in the deep end here. Like a perfect example of a guy who never did that and it frustrates the hell out of me was Domenico Berardi. I mean, this guy would dominate at Sassuolo and it's like this guy basically... I mean, I, I actually do respect the fact that he's a one-club club man and he fell in love with the, the club. That's something to say, especially as a Roma fan. But, um, you know, those, that's it. those are examples of players that perhaps just kind of let their prime get away from them and didn't, allow, didn't really make that next jump. I think Sanchez can make that next jump. It's just PSG wasn't the fit, in my opinion. And I think he was scared to leave France as well. Yeah, I also think that. I agree with that last part. Um, he just went for the comfortable fit. Yeah, because uh, it's but, a Farmers League. Yeah, but Oscar, you're entitled to your, um, to, your, to your wrong opinion. It's all good. Um, okay. I think it's the first time I'm wrong tonight. Oh, yes. Oscar. All right. Okay, oh. look at this guy. Um, okay, so we were talking about PSG and AC Milan. Let's go to AC Milan because they just signed Serginho Dest 
uh, on loan has a 20 million buy option. I think that's a very decent price tag for AC Milan if he performs well. I do think he has the potential of performing well. Still very young. Why didn't he work at Barca, Oscar? Because the expectations were so high. I mean, you were coming to replace Dani Alves, who is arguably one of the best three right backs in the history of the game. And uh, he never really lived to the expectation. You know, if you're coming to Barcelona, it's because you're a top-class player. And I'm not saying that he's not a top-class player, but he never really showed what he showed at his previous club. You know? I think, I think that one is very much on Xavi. Um, yeah. Because you, did, you didn't give him the tools to improve what he had to improve. You didn't coach him. You expected him to perform. You put him in situations where he had needed to perform and he couldn't and because he needed some guidance. It's not only on Xavi. I would give it, in, uh, I would give it to Kuman as well. Because, or Kuman, yeah. I mean, the guy is fantastic going forward, but he lacks so much defensively. And you cannot play for a top club unless you're Trent Alexander-Arnold if you are fantastic going forward, but you're poor going backwards. Yeah, but you're talking about a player in Serginho Dest, who is 21 years old, right? He's about to be 22. He, he, can, he has to be coachable. And he was good at Ajax. He comes from Ajax, which is a similar culture to Barcelona. And, and surely he's heard about the concepts that you're wanting to teach him, wanting to implement. So I think that the easy route is just get him to a level, to that level, you know, slowly. And it's, now that I just say this, it's, it's similar to what happened to, um, to Teo Hernandez, uh, coincidentally, also AC Milan player at Real Madrid. The, ver the, 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 the ver version that we saw of him at Madrid and the one we see now is just miles off, right? And yeah. hopefully, Des can bring it, bring it up a notch again. Um, and, and maybe Milan buys, buys him, maybe not, right? But I think it's a position. Actually, let's go with Gio. Let's go to Gio with this one. And then I'll, I'll say what I think. Um, is it a good fit for AC Milan? Um, yeah. I mean, I think honestly, with his. I think with his tools, I think he will, will, I think he'll, he'll really um, excel in the Italian league. I think he's got, I mean, he's got blistering pace. He's obviously really good offensively. And I think, um, you know, I think he'll be able to put that to the forefront um, uh, at Milan. But again, the Italian league is also um, quite tactical defensively. Um, so I think it will be a good learning experience for him. It's going to be up to P uh, Pioli and, um, you know, some of those other guys there at the back, uh, Kier, Tomori, to kind of help guide him along as well, um, to kind of help build his defensive game because it is not very good. And I think he's a nice alternative, especially to a guy like Teo Hernandez, um, you know, maybe playing against smaller ends sides when you want to rest Teo, he might be a good, good fit there. Um, and obviously probably he'll probably compete with Davide Calabria, probably start behind him. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Is Florenzi is also there. Oh, please, that guy's a joke. Um, Florenzi, former. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, Romanista here talking. No, I know, but he's got the he's got got experience in the yeah. Serie he's got experience on how to be bad defensively and not know how to cross the ball. So why? Okay, so, ma so maybe so maybe don't befriend him, Sergio. Don't befriend. I would stick <laughs> close to tail. Stay close to tail. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yes, I think I think he will find some minutes in in Italy and. I mean, in fairness to the Italian league, people make a lot of jokes about it, and I do understand we're light years behind in a lot of areas, especially our advertising and marketing of the league and whatnot. But there is something, yeah, the money. 
Um, there is something to be said about the Italian league developmentally. There's a lot of players that have come and really reclaimed their career. Mohamed Salah was a flop at Chelsea. He's yeah. now the greatest winger in the world because of his stint in Italy. Um, okay, you guys really <laughs> tell me that he's not the greatest winger in the world? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Five. Let's not get into that one top, right just top now. Five. Can I say top five? or is that, Top is that five, 100%. Yeah, top, top, top five. Okay. I can't give you top three. Top six. Top three. Okay, yeah. well. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I think it's a good place for Des to go because I think he's got a lot to prove. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see where his career takes him after that because I don't know if it's going to be at Barcelona. But um, nonetheless, I think he's going to He's going to actually, I'm a little bit jealous. I think he's got uh, some cool characteristics that I would have liked to see at even Roma, but he's, uh, he's going to do well at Milan, I think. All right. And obviously Milan getting the, the right back. I think that it's a position that has been hard to fill in the last few years. We saw, we got Diogo a lot in the last, uh, I think two years ago now. They gave it a shot. He seemed decent. Maybe I thought they were going to buy him and then didn't happen. So like, I think it's, it's one where he's got a big shot. I think Pioli's getting a good uh, good taste of what it's like to have Florenzi in his squad, and he's probably telling <laughs> telling um, the Elliott group to go get him a, a real right back. I think it's a, <laughs> it's a wise move from him to go to AC Milan because, as you said, Rick, he's only 21 years old. He's going to keep developing and keep improving, especially in a, and especially keep improving defensively in a league that it's so defensive, like the Italian yeah. league. But I would have really loved to see him go to Manchester United. Yeah, me too. I thought that was another good option just because of the fact that Ten Hag uh, is the coach, right? Is the manager and he did really well under him um, in his last Ajax year. Uh, and obviously, yeah, so he's coming from Barcelona. He's leaving that hole on the right side, which is no longer a hole because Barca completed their squad today uh, in the deadline day. They got... Well, we're going to start with Hector Bellerin, I guess, because he's the right back that's coming in to fill that position. Uh, they got Marcus Alonso towards the end of the transfer window, again, included in the Aubameyang deal. And let's just go over what they did this summer, right? Very, very much um, hated by Chelsea, this uh, transfer window by Barcelona, but whatever. Um, let's not say more. Frank Kessier and Andreas Christensen, Andres Christensen, who were already confirmed before the transfer window opened. Then they went for Robert Lewandowski, Rafinha, Joe Skunde, all of them Chelsea targets, by the way. And now Hector Bellerin and Marcus Alonso, Chelsea player. How do we rate this, Oscar? 10 out of 10. 10? You got yes. to give it a 10. You got Lewandowski, arguably one of the best. Yeah, I mean, players so, in the world. Oh, I'm going to stop you right there. Yes. Um, 10 out of 10 in terms of like the big profile, like the Jules Kunde, the Rafinha, the Lewandowski, maybe even the Christensen and the, and the, uh, but, but you got names and a part of that, you address the positions that you had to address. But, but, okay. So yes, but in the positions in the back, did they address them enough? Like, was it, was it, is it, is, are they all good enough replacements? I think like is Hector Bellerin an upgrade? Probably. Yes. Is Marcos Alonso an upgrade? No. Not really. That's, that's, it's that's Christensen. Christensen, an upgrade? Yes. No, but he's good depth. I think yeah. Kunde's an upgrade. Kunde's a Kunde's definitely upgrade. an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Kunde, Lewandowski, Rafinha, no chat, like 100% upgrades to got, what they had. They still got Pique and uh, Christensen. Like, there's a lot yeah, of... Yeah, you, yeah, you got Eric Garcia. Okay, so, 
So Lord 10 out of 10. At every position. I'm just, I think UEFA needs to be investigated because I don't know how the hell they did this. Like, come on. <laughs> how did Barcelona, yes. like Barcelona was, was, was inches away from, from folding and all of a sudden they go out and get all these players. There's some fishy BS going on and I, I don't <laughs> like it. Gio doesn't like it, guys. Start an investigation. Like it. I do he not like it. He doesn't like it. Gio from Backroom Football does not like it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly sit down with uh, Infantino <laughs> and tell him how much of a jackass he is for this. <laughs> okay, okay, guys, obviously no stoppage time today because it was just, uh, I just wanted, we wanted to dive deep into the transfer market. One, just to let us go, who is the winner of the transfer market if you had to pick a club? I, off the top of, of your head, off the top of your head, five Barcelona. seconds. Barcelona? Barcelona is the winner. Gio? Um... I'm going to go with Chelsea. What was that? I don't know that team. You go, you go first, Ricky. I need, I need a few more seconds. I'm between two. Okay, go first. I'll, go, I'll go. I mean, obviously, I think Barcelona, I agree, right? Um, another team that I think addressed most of the positions they needed is, um, is, is Chelsea, obviously. But because I don't want to bore people to death, I'm going to go with Juventus. I think they had a, a really solid transfer market. They got not only, well, they already had Blauvic, but they got Milik, a very good replacement, prolific striker. I think hopefully he doesn't get injured too much. They got Di Maria and Kostic on each of the wings. They got uh, Paul Pogba and Paredes. They also offloaded who they had to offload. And then they got Bremer in the back. Um, Miretti, by the way, obviously they didn't buy him, but... I think he's a very interesting player. Very, very interesting player. So I think Juventus is the big, the big winner that I'm taking today. Yeah, honestly, sadly enough, I was gonna, I was thinking about Juve too, and it pains me deeply because they did some good business. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually go with Roma. Um, and I know that's a boring take, but there's more to it than meets the eye, guys. All right, especially for a team that does. Oscar's not having it. Especially for a team that doesn't have a dump as much money into anything they want, like your guys' teams. What, ha- what Thiago Pinto did to a squad in terms of departures and sales is masterful work. I mean, there was a lot of issues trying to sell guys, like a lot of dead weight that would, wouldn't move. And he pulled off some really crafty deals, obviously pulling off Dybala and Belotti is massive yeah. work. Scoring Wijnaldum is massive work. Madi Kamara is another great signing. The one thing that he missed out on was a center back, but you can't get mm. too greedy as Roma. But that to me, I think it's, we're looking at a mid-level club, not quite a, a massive club, um, but there's certainly the way they ran their, the transfer business is very, very impressive. Um, but in honor of mention to the team that I did, um, I actually did like what they did was um, I like the way Tottenham kind of um did their yeah. work. Yeah. Um, I like I like the way you know they had a Basuma. I think Richardson will do well too. Um and we'll see we'll see. I think they'll definitely oh sorry. Sorry. Instead of Tottenham, I'm gonna actually go with Arsenal. I love the additions of Higo. Unbelievable work. To I be honest, there's a lot of teams. A lot of teams that did well. Um Arsenal really did like what they had to do. Yeah. Arsenal did what they had to do. Um Tottenham went crazy especially towards the beginning um and i think they did well too they addressed many many positions so, like the back is covered the midfield is covered up top is covered um i think that was also a good one um so yeah but i mean if we're just summarizing here 
Barcelona for Oscar. Um, let's go with Tottenham. Let's not say Roma. Let's go with Tottenham for Gio. No, no, no I'll and, say Arsenal. Arsenal. Okay, Arsenal for Gio. And I'm, I'm going to go with Juventus slash Chelsea. But Juventus overall. Oh, you get slash Chelsea. <laughs> I don't get slash Roma. <laughs> this is a dictatorship, Gio, okay? <laughs> Um, okay, boys, thanks. Thanks for joining me today. Fantastic. Whoever's Part listening. <laughs> if you guys are listening, uh, send us who is the big, the biggest winner of the transfer market, in your opinion, to our Twitter, at BackroomFooty. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, guys. Good to be back. Thanks, boys.